you'll join me in your Bibles or the Bible we provided in the pew in uh, Paul's letter to the Romans, Romans chapter 12, where we'll continue our series through this book. And maybe just, I'm mentally doing a practice run. Two weeks from now, this is the time I'm going to say, Kingdom Kids, if you're Kingdom Kids, you're going to go back to the foyer right now. It's going to be hard. It's been a long time since I've had to say that, so I've got to mentally practice. You can practice, parents. This is the time. This is the time the, the kids are going to go. Two weeks, we're looking forward to Kingdom Kids. So, thank you for, yeah. You are special. I think the first person to tell me that was Mr. Rogers, and I believed him. I, it feels good when someone thinks you're, you're special, and then at some point later on, I heard some wise guy say, yeah, you're special, just like everybody else, which is kind of deflating because, you know, if everyone's special, then no one is, right? But what if I told you today that as a Christian, you are special, not because you're terrific all by yourself, but because of what God has done in your life. And what if God has created you, redeemed you, equipped you, not so that you could be put on a pedestal and admired and adored by everyone else, but so that you, in a special way, could fit into His purpose for His people, for His glory. And what if I told you that when you find your place in God's people, you will feel the most personal satisfaction and significance as you serve God by serving others in His strength? In our last sermon from Romans a couple of weeks ago, Romans 12 verses 1 and 2, uh, Paul calls each believer to offer their lives personally to God in worship. Not, not giving your life like Jesus did, dying on the cross for our sins, but in response to God's mercy to us in Christ. In response to God's mercy, offering ourselves, our lives, body, mind, soul, spirit, all of that we are, offering ourselves to God as a living sacrifice. And in the text that follows, our passage for today Chapter 12, verses 3 through 8, we'll see that a life completely devoted to God is a life that is connected and contributing to the life of God's people. So, Romans 12, I'll read, I'll go ahead and read verses 1 and 2 again. We'll read verses 1 through verse 8. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, 
are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, in proportion to our faith. If service, in serving. The one who teaches, in his teaching. The one who exhorts, in his exhortation. The one who contributes, in generosity. The one who leads, with zeal. The one who does does acts of mercy, with cheerfulness. This is God's word for us today, and putting that all together, all those eight verses, gives us the theme for today. Here it is. You have been saved by God's grace to serve others by God's grace. Don't stop with just the first part. Saved by grace, as glorious as that is. We, we celebrated that this morning already in song, but don't stop there. You have been saved by God's grace to serve others by God's grace. And the aim of the sermon is going to be not just to convince you that that's true, to, to say that's what the Bible says, but to call you to live it out for, for, for us, that we would live it out together for our good and for His glory. So here's, here's part one this morning. Maybe uh, you would help you to have the outline in front of you. It's on the back of the worship folder. It's also on the screen. Here's part one, grace given. Think of yourself, not in comparison with others, but in light of God's grace. Think of yourself, not in comparison with others, but in light of God's grace. Now, in this part, we're focusing primarily on the instruction in verse 3, but we need to keep the whole paragraph in view. Because when Paul says in verse 3, don't think too highly of yourself, he's talking about a particular temptation, a specific kind of pride within a particular context. He's, it involves in the life of the church, in the community, the fellowship of believers, you're looking at the gifts you have, and then you're looking around at other believers and the gifts perhaps that they have, and you're concluding, yeah, I'm a pretty big deal around here. Uh, maybe you've been in a church where uh, the best vocalist thinks she's entitled to sing all the solos. The, the donor with the deepest pockets thinks he should design the, the new building. I'm not aware of any arrogance so blatant as that here. I I know pride is a reality for every human being. It's a temptation that we all have to deal with. But we might be tempted, maybe a subtler way that this uh, plays itself out among us, we might be tempted to measure ourselves by our gifts. And that doesn't always look like pride. You're measuring yourself by your gifts when you think, well, I guess... I don't matter because I don't have the gifts that he does or she does. Or even uglier, it gets even uglier when we, be, when we become jealous. We say, well, I wish I was gifted the way he is. I, 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 which is really to say, God, why didn't you give me what you gave them? I have to admit, I saw a little bit of that in myself this past week. We, Katie and I dropped off Jack at uh, Cedarville University in Ohio last weekend, which happens to be my alma mater from many years ago. And a couple days after we got home, I decided, you know, I'm going to stream one of the, the chapel services. They have a, some special series of chapel services the first week. So running all through this week, featuring a guest speaker. And within the first 30 seconds of watching this guy preach, I'm realizing, wait a I know him. I know, I know him. In the summer of 1994, I led a team of students on a short-term trip to Australia, a, a music team doing worship and evangelism, 
And this speaker, I'm watching in 2022, was on that team in 1994. And I didn't recognize him because his name was kind of generic. And, and he's, he looks a lot different, which I look different too. Uh, and I'm like, wow, I haven't seen this guy in 28 years. And you know, now back then, I was already a graduate and he was a freshman. I was the leader of the team. He was the newbie. And now... He's a pastor of a megachurch in a nicer suburb of Indianapolis. He's also on the board of trustees for the university. He's got a week-long speaking engagement before thousands of students. And then it just goes from like, wow, cool, to, huh, huh. I'm getting this, I'm getting this combination of jealousy and self-pity, which really is pride, right? Like, I, I deserve better. I, I, why not me, right? Jealousy, self-pity, really a, a twisted form of pride. But earlier, earlier in that day, God had me in Psalm 16, and he brought the lines back to my... I can't take any credit for being... I, I really mean it. God had me in Psalm 16 earlier that day, and he brought, he brought the lines back to mind. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. And that's true. This is where I want to be. I want to be here with you. I love you. I don't want to be in suburban Indianapolis, right? This This is where, this is my inheritance, and it is beautiful. And more than anything else or anyone else, the Lord is my chosen portion. He's, he's the good that I, that I want. The, the, the psalm says earlier, I have no good apart from you. That, that's, that's where I want to be. Do you ever have to straighten out your thinking like that? Yeah. Think of yourself not in comparison with others, but in light of God's grace. Not just the, all the ways that he's blessed you, but the grace that says, this is, this is what I have for you, and you need to trust me on this. We could say that the problem of pride over gifts in the church in Romans 12 comes down to this. If you, if you look at verse 6, if you go with what he says in verse 6 and you just stop too soon. Having gifts that differ, and, and you look at yourself, you look at other people like, oh, differing gifts. I, I, I have this, they have that. And you say, having gifts that differ, you know, I think, I think I'm more important. I'm, I'm pretty. I'm making the bigger contribution around here. I matter more. Or you could look at having gifts that differ. You look at yourself and say, oh, "Why? I guess I'm not really good for anything around here. I'm worthless. Nobody needs me. Why, why hasn't God given me what He gave them?" Both understand. Both of those perspectives are wrong. Keep going with the phrase in verse six: having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Who, who gave the grace to you? God did. Having gifts that differ according to the grace that God has given to us. Now, that's, that's the whole framework. See, grace, I hope you're understanding that grace involves more than just your salvation, the gift of salvation. Yes, it's a gift, so it is by grace. But anything, anything that God gives us freely... Anything that God does not owe us, he is not obligated to us, but he gives it anyway out of his own initiative. He's like, I'm going to do this for you. That's 
grace. So whether that's the, the grace, the gift of a righteous standing in Christ before the final judgment, our justification, yes, by grace. But also when he gives you the strength to endure suffering or the specific kind of suffering of persecution, that's grace. When he gives you the faith and the hope to persevere in light of of troubles and trials, when he gives you the ability to serve in a unique way in the life of the church, that's grace. It's all grace. So, uh, way back at the very beginning of the letter, chapter 1, verse 5, the, the greetings that Paul gives, Paul says he has received, he had received grace and apostleship to spread the gospel. In other words, Paul's calling including both the authority and the ability, was from God. And folks, when you have the, the authority and the ability to do whatever God has called you to do, whether it's in the, the, the significant role of an apostle or just someone who's sweeping up after church, when you have, there is a dignity in that. I serve the king. And there's also a humility in that. I'm just the king's servant. I'm just doing what he asks. I'm just taking whatever job he's assigned to me. I'm only able to do what he enables me to do. It's all grace. I'm I'm just glad to be here. It's grace. And that's why Paul begins verse 3, the beginning of the paragraph, this way. When he says, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you. He could have said, As an apostle, I say to you, maybe flexing his authority a little bit more, but that's really what he's saying when he says, by the grace given to me, I've been given grace and apostleship to spread the good news. So his apostle apostolic authority is implied there, but it's couched in the humility. I'm just who I am because of God's grace. Paul says that elsewhere. By the grace of God, I am what I am. No more, no less. Is that how you see yourself? So, uh, verse 3 continues, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Now, that last phrase could be a little perplexing to you. The measure of faith that God has assigned, does God have like, I don't know, measuring cups? Like, you get a a three-quarter cup, you get two teaspoons, like, that, what, what's going? That's not. Don't don't think in terms of of quantity. It's not a different amount of belief or a different amount. Certainly not a different amount of saving faith. Saving faith, you have it, you don't. Right? Uh, like grace, though, faith is is broader than how it applies just to your salvation. You know this. Um, faith is something you need every day to to trust to rely on God through through your life. But this parallel, this particular phrase parallels the same idea. We have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. God, God doesn't give different amounts of grace to where you're saying, well, God, how come you gave them more grace? You gave me less grace. It's different grace. Now, again, don't, don't think of the pantry. Now, which grace do I want for this person? I've got all these different kinds of grace. Like, no, it's if it fits under the category of something that God gives you freely, without obligation, at his initiative, not because you earned it, he's, he's just blessing you with it, he's given it to you, it's grace. It's all grace. 
But he gives, he, what he gives is going to look different in different people's lives. You, you, you have everything you need in Christ. We, we all get the same forgiveness. We all get to, to enjoy the king, his kingdom together, eternal life. But, he, but in this aspect of our life together, he, in his wisdom, according to his plan, he gives us different abilities, different ways to serve, different ways to contribute to the life of the body. But here's the thing, if it's God's gift that you are using, God's assignment that you've been given, then lean into that identity. This is how you are to think about yourself, not comparing yourself with other people, not saying, well, I I wish I had that gift rather than this one. Think of yourself according to the grace that God has given you. Both the mercies, I appeal to you on the basis of the mercies of God, all of the grace he's given to every one of us in Christ, and the, the grace that he's given to you that is specific to you, that yes, in some way makes you special, but special not so you're special, but special so that you fit his unique purpose for his people, to bless his people. So verses 4 and 5. For, so to explain further, he's saying, as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. This is part two. Many are one. Marvel at the complex living organism that is the beautiful body of Christ. Now, these two verses are easy to follow, right? Verse 4 is, just gets us thinking about the human body. Verse 5 makes the comparison to the body of Christ, that is, the God's people, Jew and Gentile, united in Christ, the church, in order to make the point that we, who are many, are yet one. And that's simple enough, but let's slow down and appreciate what Paul is saying to us here. Most of us, I think, take our bodies for granted, which means... We either don't think about all the amazing things that our bodies do all the time, often uh, without us even thinking about it. Unconsciously, your heart is maintaining its rhythm, uh, you're maintaining your balance, Uh, nutrients are traveling all uh, everywhere throughout your body, and so forth. We either either have the luxury of not thinking about our bodies because they're just working, or... (laughs) The only time we're thinking about our bodies was, are when they aren't working like we expect. Like, oh, man, my, my allergies are pretty bad today. Or, whew, those tacos are sitting like a rock down there. Oh. It's, uh, you know, that's, that's the only time we're thinking about our bodies. But you don't have to take a, a college-level anatomy course to appreciate the, the wonder of the human body. Not only do you have eyes to see, hands to grasp and manipulate, you've got that amazing opposable thumb there, feet for walking, tongues that can lick an ice cream cone and send messages to your brain, yes, yeah. And, and, and the same tongue can articulate thousands of words with the help of your teeth and your lips and your lungs and your vocal cords. And then there are the systems Organs organized for your digestion, for your respiration, muscles and bones assembled for your locomotion. I mean, it's it's amazing. 
all these different parts working together as one living body. You got the picture? That's what the church is. That's what the body of Christ is like, or it should be. It is a complex living organism, yet it is one, one body. So don't picture the church as, as a bowl of mixed nuts. And, and, you know, there's a certain variety there, yes, uh, but a, a bowl of mixed nuts is just unified by the container. You know, that, that's the only thing holding those, those nuts together. I'm not saying any of you are nuts. We're just, it's a good, it's a good pic. It's just a humorous picture, right? But the only thing holding those nuts together is the container. We think, okay, I can think of a better analogy. How about a, how about a you know, a tote of, of Legos? Because, you know, the Legos, they all fit together, and you can use them to build something, build something really cool and fun. And, and well, that's closer. The many individual believers in one church are in an organic relationship. Different parts, each contributing something unique and necessary, and all connected and coordinated to bring life to the whole body. This is how Paul puts it in Ephesians 4, the end of Ephesians 4 which is one other key chapter in the New Testament on spiritual gifts. He says, uh, Ephesians 4, 15 and 16, we are to be speaking the truth in love. We are, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Did you hear that? When, when each part is together and working properly, the, bo- the body builds itself up in love. And, and we think, well, well, the growth comes from God. Yes, that's true. That's true. But it's also just as true as he says that somehow this body working together is building itself up. It's, it's growing. It's, it's getting stronger. I love the way Paul puts it at the end of verse 5 here in Romans 12. When he says, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. So you don't just belong to the Evangelical Free Church of Mount Morris. You belong to each other. How does, how does that play out practically in your life? I mean, do you, do you see it that way? Do you see yourself as connected not just to an institution, an organization, but part of an organism connected to one another. Can I challenge you today to, to view your participation in church more biblically, more in line with this picture of what the body of Christ is? It's not a program that you attend, like going to see a movie at a theater or uh, going to, to hear a concert at the park where you, where you come, you sit among strangers, you enjoy, and you leave with those you came with and get on with the rest of your life. No, the, the church is, is your family. The church is to be a community. It is, it is the body of Christ. It's where you connect with and contribute to and coordinate your efforts with all different kinds of people who together are also profoundly united, one in faith, one in mission, one in Christ. That's what the church is. 
We expect, if that's what the church is, then of course we expect, we expect people to have different God-given gifts, abilities, strengths, and we we celebrate those God-given differences. We don't think everybody should be exactly the same. Some people are going to be better at standing in front and teaching, and some people are going to be better at coming alongside and listening. Thank God. Even those whose gifts you might not uh, easily notice have something to give. I see Leah over here. Leah, can you wave your hand? Leah's turning 16, so you want to wish her a happy birthday? Well, actually, let's everybody wish her a happy birthday. Happy birthday. Yeah. Now, yeah, Leah. She, so she teaches, she teaches our youth group, not as the teacher. She teaches our youth group and the, and the rest of us, for that matter, about joy, about greeting one another with enthusiasm. She teaches the importance of seeing the value in every person. Don't you think our teens need to learn that and feel that from each other? Don't you think our adults do, we adults do? Don't you think our country does? Our our nation, our world is struggling to find real unity while valuing appropriate diversity. And and I know when when anything and everything seems to fit under the umbrella of diversity, we get a little like, "Mm." Uh, but, but you can't counter that kind of, that wrong kind of, headed kind of diversity. You can't counter that kind of diversity with a reactionary uniformity. That's not, that's not going to be the answer. You end up playing the same game of identity politics and tribalism. We, as the church, can offer the world a better vision of meaningful unity, one humanity in Christ, different according to God's grace, together by God's design to bring more life to everyone. That's what we have to show the world. That's what the world can't quite get because they don't have the head who is Christ. But we can show. We can show them what it looks like. We can invite people in to the life of Christ and the life of this body. We are not just a bunch of mixed nuts in the same container. But like a team with different players uh, ha- who have different positions and different skill sets, all working toward the same goal, like, like an orchestra with different instruments in different sections, following the same conductor, playing a beautiful symphony like a body, a complex living organism that is functional and beautiful. With Christ as our head, the church is his body. Are you a part of it? Are you a part of it? This is the part three. Having gifts, use them. Use your unique God-given abilities to bless the community of believers. Verse six. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, in proportion to our faith. If service, in our serving the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Now, a few things to say before we work our way through this list. Uh, This list that Paul gives is representative, not exhaustive. What does that mean? It means that 
uh, we could look at other passages in uh, the New Testament where Paul talks about spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians 12 uh, is one of those. It uh, talks a lot about the body and the spiritual gifts. Uh, Ephesians 4, I quoted earlier. 1 Peter 4. And, and in those lists, you can find other gifts that are not listed here. So this list is representative. It's a sampling, but it's not everything, okay? So, because, why that's important, because this list is not exhaustive, if you don't see yourself here, don't, don't worry. There may be other ways that God has gifted you. Second item, preliminary item here. If you are a believer, are a believer, you have the Spirit dwelling in you. You are gifted. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7 says, To each to each person, to each believer, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. We all, every individual has the life of the Spirit in them coming, shown in them, the manifestation of the Spirit. It shows, it works itself out in your life for the common good. Many, one. So here in Paul, Romans 12, 3, Paul addresses everyone among you if you are part of the body, you have something to offer. But I need to follow that up with one more little preliminary comment. Don't get stuck on the way we normally use the word gifted in our time and place, our culture. This is not about saying that you are uh, exceptionally talented at something. Um, or if I'm not exceptionally talented, then I'm not gifted. That's not what this is about. The whole point is that from God, you've been given from God, something to offer, a, a way to contribute. Every single one of you who, has, who is in Christ, who has the Spirit, you have something to offer by God's grace and for His grace to go through you to someone else. So ultimately, this is not about, again, not about being exceptionally talented at something. This is about being a servant, not a superstar. So if just imagine for a moment a church where if everyone is trying to be a superstar, this very quickly becomes a cutthroat competition. Maybe, maybe your workplace is like this. It's, everybody's trying to be a superstar, and it is cutthroat. But if everybody is trying to, if this is a place, if this is a people, a family, where everyone is not trying to be a superstar, but everyone is trying to be a servant, what's that like? It's a place where everyone can be blessed. Everyone can be nurtured. Everyone can be cared for. Everyone feels like, I, I, I matter here. That's what this is supposed to be about. Now, let's, let's work our way through this. The, the first gift mentioned at the end of verse 6 is, well, the most controversial of the list because it's debated. What, you know, what, what exactly are we talking about when we're talking about prophecy? And uh, the other part, is this gift still operating today? Would, should we expect prophets among us? Well, you, you read in the book of Acts, as one of our Sunday school classes has been recently, and you see places like Acts 21, you see 22, prophets who, yes, in some sense, are, they are predicting the future. I mean, they, they, that's, that is part of what they're doing. But a better way to describe it, because that gives us ideas like you know some crystal ball sort of thing, you know, some I've, uh, medium to the paranormal or something like that. No, just it's not about just predicting the future. It is about 
making known what God wants to reveal. And this is not, again, this is not about paranormal activity. It's about ministering to people. So 1 Corinthians 14.3 says, 1 Corinthians 14.3 says, the one who prophesies speaks to people, get that, speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation or comfort. So let me put it to you this way. We'll just sort of skirt around the debate about whether there are... I, well, let me say this. I'm not going to skirt around the debate. There are not prophets in the sense of, thus says the Lord, like Isaiah, and now I'm going to write, write this all down, and it's going to be the, a book of the Bible. There, we don't have those prophets anymore. But in a broader sense, if I could make it, put a capital P on that, and if I could put a little p prophecy... If you sense God prompting you to speak a word of encouragement or comfort to another believer, don't hold back. I, I'm not saying that, oh, now we're going to call you prophet so-and-so. Not going to go there. Um, but just, just if God, you sense God prompting you to speak a word of encouragement or comfort, don't hold back. And I expect, I expect that God will gift some of you to be especially effective in doing that. Now, that doesn't, again, that doesn't mean because you sense God prompting you to speak that your words are now the equivalent of Scripture, inerrant and infallible. Thus saith the Lord. No. Uh, First, we even have a clue that that's not what Paul understands prophecy to mean in the life of the church from 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 20 and 22. He says, do not despise prophecies, but test everything. If somebody comes to you and says, I sense, I, you know, just Lord's laid this on my heart and I think it's for you and I'm saying this to you, you, ha- you as the hearer have the room to say, thank you, I'll, I'll think about that, I'll pray about that. Okay? Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast what is good, abstain from every form of evil. And when Paul says in in verse 6 here in chapter 12, to use your gift of prophecy in proportion to your faith. Again, that's just in line with these other phrases that we've had in the paragraph. The measure of faith that God assigns, verse 3. The differing gifts according to the grace given to us by God, verse 6. Again, I don't, don't think of this in terms of varying quantities of faith, as in how much faith do you have, but maybe, I know this is a little, maybe in terms of quality, uh, the, the, the closer you walk with God, I know that's a, you could quantify that as well, or a deeper walk, but the closer you walk with God, the greater spiritual sensitivity that you may have. Look, so if that's, that's who you are, if you've walked with God a long time, if, you, if you're walking closely with the Lord, you need to speak when God prompts you for the benefit of others. The next three gifts that are listed here, if your gift is service, well, use that gift in serving. If your gift is teaching, use that gift in teaching. If your gift is exhortation, use that gift in exhortation. The, the point he's making is whatever gift you have, use it to bless others. Use it to bring life and strength to the body. If you have a gift, but you're not using it, you're not uh, exercising that gift, then what good is it? The good that God has given you, his grace, the, the ability, is good that he does not simply want to give you but he's giving you to give to someone else. So if he's given you the gift, use it. 
grace someone else with the grace that God has given you. Now, in one sense, these, these three gifts, really, actually all these gifts, are about serving others. But this, when he speaks about service specifically, if your gift is service, well, in serving. This kind of serving is providing care, like, like our helps ministry teams, whether that's serving a meal after a funeral or helping uh, Patty Rios to move from one apartment to another in town here that is safer and quieter and has uh, some neighbors who will encourage her in her faith. That's, that's some beautiful serving. I also think of serving that you don't see but probably appreciate. Mary Cayley taking care of our flowers out in front of our building or Brady Meyer is our main volunteer, one of several who take care of our, our sound equipment. Our, and he's like, well, are those spiritual gifts or, you know, more natural abilities? Well, every good and perfect gift comes from above. What, what do you have that you did not receive? When these, when these activities are done for the sake of serving others, for the sake of enhancing the life of the church, for the sake of extending the ministry of the gospel, I'd say those gifts are from God. And I'd say, I'm, I'm, I'm blessed. I know we, we all are. Now, in, in the list again, if, if exhortation is what we usually call preaching, then uh, teaching and preaching, they, they overlap quite a bit, those next two gifts. Bible scholars say teaching is more focused on the passing on of basic doctrine. Um, preaching includes teaching, includes explanation, but preaching is more of an appeal. In fact, the, the word exhortation here is the same word in verse 1, I appeal to you, brothers. Uh, so, so with that appeal, there's something of a call to action. So uh, proclaiming the gospel with a call to repentance and faith, giving instruction in holy living with a call to obedience, exalting God with a call to worship, rehearsing, remembering His promises with a call to put your hope in Him. There, that's something of that exhortation. But... but and maybe your translation you're looking at has, instead of the word exhortation, has encouragement. That, that exhortation, which we may narrow to the idea of preaching, more broadly can be encouragement. So in a sense, you could say that Cindy Barton and I have the same ministry. You know, I, we're, we're both ministers of encouragement. I, I'm, I'm preaching the word to you to encourage you in your walk with Christ, and Cindy is sending you a birthday card to encourage you that you are loved in this fellowship. You are remembered. You are known. So now for the last three gifts here, Paul describes the action as well as the attitude. It's not, it's not that the way that you uh, serve only matters for these last three. In the previous three, he was saying, well, if you have the gift, use it. For the last three, he's saying, well, if you're going to do it, do it right. So verse 8, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. The one who contributes in generosity. Huh. So can you be gifted at giving? Yes. But I want to be quick to say it doesn't mean that you have to be wealthy to have this gift. Maybe you enjoy giving by, by cooking for someone who just got home from the hospital. Or 
you like to knit mittens to be distributed at our local food pantry. And you're starting to see that, of course, this overlaps quite a bit. Is that serving or is that giving or is that... Uh, there's a lot of overlap here. Giving, serving for that is, is for all Christians. All Christians give because all Christians have resources. And all Christians, we're all a part of the, the mission that we're seeking together. We're all part of this body. But, but listen, if you do have, whether, whether you have uh, humble means and, and you just enjoy giving uh, small gifts in whatever way that you can to, to, to bring uh, joy and delight to someone else. But let me say also, though, if you do have significant means, by all means, consider, has God given me all this? so that I could be generous with others? I mean, we, for, the first step, of course, is to understand that what you have is, is grace. This is God's gift to me. You also need to understand that we could look at 1 Timothy 6. Yes, he's given us all things to enjoy, but he's also given us all things to turn around and bless others with those things that we have. Has God given me all this so that I could be generous with others? Has he particularly blessed me in order to invest in this ministry. To the one who contributes, do it. Use that gift with generosity. The next one, the one who leads with zeal. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean, you know, aggressive, high energy, zeal. Uh, you know, let's, let's saddle up, let's put our swords in our sheaths, and let's ride out to bat. Now, sometimes you need that kind of boldness and courage, yes, but the, the, it doesn't necessarily mean being aggressive. It has to do with being diligent, being earnest, eager, pressing on, pressing into the work that needs to be done. Leaders need to do that. The church cannot afford to have leaders who are simply warm bodies filling a position. Churches cannot afford to have pastors who are simply holding down a job to get a regular paycheck. Peter says to the elders in 1 Peter chapter 5, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. Leaders, whether you hold some office in the church, whether you're an elder, a deacon, deaconess, or have some other role of ministry of authority, leaders, be fully engaged. This is your contribution to the vitality of our church. We can't coast, we can't drift, we need to press into, lead the charge of what we as a church need to do. The last one, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. So this is talking about the person who is drawn, just drawn to deep needs, who's ready to, you know, the kind of person, you're the one picking up the, the, the stray, you know, puppy and bringing him home and nursing him back to health. Not, that's not a spiritual gift necessarily, but I think in the, that same spirit, attitude, instinct, magnetism, that you're, what you're drawn to in the life of the church drawn to deep needs, who's ready to respond in a crisis situation with, with sympathy, with empathy. And, and again, this is, once more, the, there's great overlap in, 
in, how, in giving, in serving, and in encouraging, and in mercy. Uh, but understand, especially in, especially in offering mercy, coming, extending yourself, giving of yourself into a situation of great need to a person with great need, many needs, that can be draining. Not only can it be draining, it can be t- just tire you out, but when the needs seem to be relentless, the problems always complicated, messy, not quickly cleaned up, it, it could be easy to give in to resentment or bitterness, to become cold, to become jaded. Yeah, it's a, it's a messed up world. But when you are, Paul's calling us, when you are caring out of the heart that God has given you, when you are showing mercy to others just as you have been shown mercy, you are not only there to meet a need, but you're there to share the joy of Jesus, to reflect His kindness, His mercy, His joy in doing so. If Jesus went to the cross with the joy that was set before Him, can we go into places that are messy with light and hope and kindness and even the, the light, the light that only Christ can give. Now, we've, we've gone through the list. Whether or not you see yourself in this list, whether God has gifted you perhaps in another way that you haven't seen here in the passage or I haven't mentioned the, the message is the same. The last point, use your unique God-given abilities to bless the community of believers. Why? Is it just so that we can keep this church going? No. You have been saved by God's grace to serve others by God's grace. This, this people exists because of Christ, what Christ has done for us. He's, we, we're all here, in one sense, individually connected to Jesus, but if we're connected to our head, then we're connected to one another. That's That's the design. That's the plan. That's how God wants to work. That's how God wants to grow you. How God wants to use you in coordination, in connection with one another, contributing to the life of the body. Perhaps you are already, you feel like, yeah, I've got, I I know my my place. I I feel like I fit in. I know what I can do to bless others, and you're doing it. Thank you. And, And praise God, press on. Maybe you're like, ah, yeah, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know what I should be doing. I feel like I want to, but I, I don't know what that would be. We'd, we'd be glad to help you. Myself, Pastor Logan, our staff, others would be glad to, to talk that through with you. But, but I wouldn't get hung up on trying to pinpoint your spiritual gift. Sometimes it's just have your heart open, have your eyes open to see needs around you, move toward need, whether that's, oh, I think they need more people working in the nursery, or, you know, I see that, what that person's doing. I could, I could help out. Uh, move toward need, and God might show you himself what he has for you to do. The thing of it is, you, you are special. Not to stand alone. Not to, to stick out so that everybody notices you, so that everybody celebrates you. You're special for the sake of serving others. And through you, through all of us together, we see the life of God in the body of Christ. That's what we want to see. And I'm thankful when it, when it works so beautifully. Let's pray.
Lord, if it is easy for us to not think about the body when everything is just working as we expect it to, Lord, I'm grateful this morning to, to have the opportunity to reflect on all the good things that are going on, all the way this body, in this place, in this room, this body, all the, the incredible functions of the body, so many things that go on without our even noticing it. God, today we want to reflect on the beauty of the body as you have blessed us. Thank you for the people mentioned, for the people unmentioned. And Lord, I pray for all of us, for all the ways that we might think, ah, why not me? Why, why, not, why, why, why couldn't I be like them? Or how did they get to be where they are? God, I pray that you would both give us such a confidence in you, such a confidence in your wisdom such a confidence in your goodness to believe that what you've given us is exactly what you want. And that's good. That, that's good. And also, God, where, where there are ways that, that you, want to, you do want us to, to lean into that grace you've given us, to develop our gifts, to, to exercise those gifts and see perhaps a strengthening and perhaps, Lord, a, an increasing of, of responsibility and roles within the life of ministry, Lord, we're excited to see what you are doing in your people. Do more. Give more life to this body and to the worldwide body of Christ that all people might see what a beautiful thing it is when you put us together. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.